It's Cookie Lab. Hi, and welcome to Cookie Lab. I'm Jill. And I'm Chris, and we're back again in the month of February. Happy February, Jill. Happy February, Chris. Uh, We have great cookies to look forward to in the month of February. Short month that it is. Yes, but full of rich flavors. Let me ask you, Jill, do you remember our episode on the Fig Newton cookie? Yes, it wasn't so long ago. I know, but you know, there's so many cookies in between and they're so rich that we can easily confuse ourselves. But we had a throwaway line in that cookie episode about multiple cookies made by the company that made the Fig Newton. Yeah, it's not a throwaway. It helped prove what the Fig Newton is named for and not any of the apocryphal stories about right. what it might be named for. It wasn't for. named for Sir Isaac Newton, for example. Or a general whose nickname was Fig. Right, exactly. It was named for the town of Newton, Massachusetts by the F.A. Kennedy Steam Biscuit Factory at 129 Franklin Street, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Our fair city. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Click and Clack, the Tappet Brothers. Yeah, yeah. So there were were other towns that that same company made biscuits in honor of. Exactly. And uh, as we know, the Fig Newtons were first made here in Massachusetts in 1891. And then the Kennedy Biscuit Company merged with other bakeries in 1898 to form the National Biscuit Company, better known as... My Grandma Sophie was born in in 1898. So, Grandma Sophie Baking? No. No, it's Nabisco, Chris. Right, Nabisco. And the original Kennedy Biscuit Company named all of their products after surrounding communities, including cookies and crackers called the Shrewsbury, the Harvard, and the Beacon Hill cookie. I assume they're talking about Harvard University, not the town of Harvard, which is a teeny tiny town farther out west. I, I can't imagine that they have made the Harvard cookie based after Harvard, Massachusetts. It's well, got to be The only thing that makes me university. suspicious is that Shrewsbury is kind of near Harvard, Mass. It is. But, but Harvard, Mass is named for Harvard, for John Harvard anyway, so. The Shrewsbury cracker, it was actually a cracker that they made, dates back actually to Shrewsbury, England. Also, oh my goodness! The the Shrewsbury English cracker, I believe, and we and writers could write into us, uh, maybe a novelist or a short story writer, and, or even just somebody who has access to email, could write to us <laughs> and clarify when the Shrewsbury cookie or cracker was invented in England, but I'm going to guess that it was around well before our F.A. Kennedy Steam Bakery factory. Okie dokie. Well, what uh, what F.A. Kennedy treat have you replicated in your laboratory for us? I bring to you today the Beacon Hill cookie. Ooh, I can't wait. Beacon Hill is such a lovely neighborhood in Boston with beautiful brick 
townhouses and antique windows and kind of when just... you think of old Boston. Mhm. Brick a uh, cobble cobblestone streets. Yeah. It's a very small area. And, and actually, now that I look at your cookie, Chris, it kind of looks like a little cobbly. It is a little cobbly. I also found very cool a 1958 Chicago Tribune ad that said, hooray for a brand new cookie recipe. I mean, that's basically that like could be our, our third tagline. It could be. Yeah. Hooray for a brand new cookie recipe. Keep your paws off of them. <laughs> Every cookie has a story. <laughs> so somewhere between 1891 and 1898, the F.A. Kennedy Steam Bakery Factory produced the Beacon Hill cookie. And somewhere between 1898 and 1958, that cookie was lost to time. Mm. And the Chicago Tribune heralded a brand new cookie recipe that they touted as melt-in-your-mouth morsels that are bound to be a family favorite. And interestingly, as I was doing the Googling to find the cookie recipe for the Beacon Hill cookie, it turns out that I used exactly the same recipe as was in the 1958 advertisement in the Chicago Tribune. So the Trib is like perpetrating this, like passing this off as something brand new? In 1958. It's not new, people. I don't think the advertisers were doing their historical homework. They didn't have the Google. <laughs> they didn't. It was a little more difficult in 1958. It was definitely tougher back then. To do Microfiche. your Microfiche, yeah. I don't even know if they had microfiche at the time. Again, anybody can write to us and tell us, though. Maybe even a songwriter could write to us and write us a song about this cookie. It is Send so... us a singing telegram about the Beacon Hill cookie. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, it's a meringue cookie with... Delightful. Melted chocolate folded in, as well as pecans. These are a few of our favorite things. Yes, so let's taste it and see if it okay. is... A mouth-watering, melt-in-your-mouth morsel that will soon be your family favorite. Here we go. It's delicate on the outside, but rich on, and moist on the inside. And it does melt in your mouth. It's got a bit of a chew to it. It's got a tiny bit of crunch on the outside. It is deliciously chocolatey. I've not yet had a pecan. Mmm. There we go. It is melt in your mouth. Quite unusual. I would say hooray for a new cookie recipe. It's, it's, it is unlike our other cookies. How does it manage to be substantive and light? That's the magic of meringue. I'm enjoying this cookie tremendously. If I brought back the cookie scale that we have used, the one through three cookie scale. Would you give it a three? I would rate it as a 2.89. Oh, that's pretty high. It's a little sophisticated, like Beacon Hill itself. Mm, it's cobbly. It, but, uh, but rooted in tradition as well. If you want a chocolate kick, I would say, that is also not too heavy. 
Like you just want a, a nice little treat with your cup of tea. This would go well. Yeah, with it. or like after dinner when I've eaten some, I like mm-hmm. to cook, you know, spicy, super spice flavorful food, and then afterwards I always want just a bite of something sweet. This would certainly fit that bill. I like the addition of pecans to it. Yeah, I've never met a pecan that I didn't like. It so. adds another layer of of flavor and texture. Which is great. Well, kudos to the F.A. Kennedy Steam Biscuit Factory because they knew what they were doing. And thank you for bringing it back from being lost to history. Always a good time when we can resuscitate something. I hope people make this cookie all the time now and that it becomes a... It seems a, li- it seems a little too delicate for all the time. No? Yeah, I, might, I might even add it to my thick mint cookie and sell it outside of Ace Hardware. Oh, what will you call it? I'll call it the Beacon Hill cookie. (laughs) (laughs) So. Just wear your uniform and I won't be able to pass you by. Okay. Look for me there. And I will also be spouting science. Yes. What have you got for us about about this special treat? I want to revisit the egg white and uh, and the science of the meringue. It's a miracle food. Yeah. Because our, our friends and neighbors who are listening may have forgotten some things. But interestingly, as I was making this cookie, I was pouring in the sugar and some vanilla. And then there was this unique, confusing ingredient that went into it that I really had to think about what is going on here with the science? Why would I add this ingredient? And that ingredient was white vinegar. Oh, yeah, you're making a, a, That's a, a the- vinegary face. That's the opposite of what I thought you were going to say. Like, I was gearing up to hear you say something about cream of tartar. And vinegar is like the opposite of that, right? No, it's exactly the the same. Don't you need those two things together to make the volcano? No. Okay, remind me, Chris. Okay, cream of tartar is tartaric acid, and vinegar is acetic acid. They're both acids. Vinegar is in a liquid form, a tartaric acid is in a solid form. But so otherwise very similar. They're going to do the same thing in this okay. in this science. So let's think back. When you beat an egg white, you're breaking apart those weak interactions between proteins and they end up long and stringy. It's like breaking up the bracelet with lots of different beads, right? Remember that mm-hmm. analogy? So mm-hmm. And the beads go all over the floor. <laughs> so the physical force of whipping does this. And you can break up proteins in a number of different ways. But the phys- we're using a physical force of the whisk. And we're adding air. And the air kind of pushes water around so that the proteins interact with each other a little bit more. As the proteins unravel and are surrounded by less water, they tangle with one another. And they create the mesh. It's so much action. Yeah. There's a lot going on in there. The more the proteins tangle, the more the water gets moved away. And the tangle proteins form this skeleton, this this uh, scaffold of foam around air pockets. And it starts to peak up. Right? And we yeah. want our meringue. We want you our... You want it to have stiff peaks. Stiff peaks. That's right. That's what so, it says in the in the recipes. So I slowly added granulated sugar to this, and it, and it actually dissolves, and the water molecules surround the sugar molecules, and it makes the displacement of the water more difficult, meaning that you have to beat your foamy eggs for longer to form the peaks. 
Sugar helps it be more solid, give a stronger backbone to the meringue, and it makes it shiny and glossy. Now, here's where we get to the vinegar. The vinegar helps stabilize this scaffold by decreasing the pH levels, the acid or the base, so decreases the pH level in the protein. So when you add acid to the mixture, you're essentially adding some positively charged particles. Oh, okay. These positively charged particles are hydrogen atoms that have lost an electron. The hydrogen ions hop onto a charged portion of the proteins. Hop on the bus, ions. Let's go. We're making And makes the proteins electrically neutral and less likely to keep reacting with other proteins. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's, sense. it stabilizes it. Mm -hmm. It allows it to stay in its form. So that's why you but add still, the vinegar. It's like kind of, but it's kind of fragile, right? It's kind of fragile, but it makes it a little less fragile. A little less fragile. Otherwise, it would like just poof, disappear. It would start to fall in on it. It would crumble onto it, yes. It yeah. would implode. Yeah. And no cookies. And that's too sad. It would be more caramelly than it would be airy and cookie-like. Oh, that actually doesn't sound that sad. <laughs> so, Chris, when you made, do you remember, think back to the time you made beautiful pink meringue roses mm -hmm. with like some jelly or something in the middle yes did that did that recipe not call for vinegar i believe that that recipe did not have vinegar in it and if you oh, remember so there's more than one made a more than one way to make a meringue sure and if you remember those cookies were the meringue was a little a little less puffy yeah it was a it was a flatter item and over days over maybe even one day they became gooier and gooier and flatter and flatter mm, 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 mm. so they did not last as long this this cookie i believe will stay a little puffier let's leave one in a glass dome and check in on it periodically okay excellent. measure the height of it <laughs> And we'll come back to you next week and tell you all about it. Unfortunately, I'm going to guess that I will have to say to everyone, keep your paws off that cookie. And right. it may not even work because... It might not last. It's they're too, too delicious to stay around. Yeah. Well done, Chris. Thank you, Jill. Thank you, Jill. And uh, thank you once again to the F.A. Kennedy Steam Bakery Factory for naming and making this Beacon Hill cookie. And thank you, Chris, for making it for the Cookie Lab. I'll see you next week with more special treats. Wait till you see what I'm cooking up. Oh, I can't wait. Bye. Bye. It's... Cookie Lab.